This is Coda Radio, episode 431 for September 14th, 2021. Hello and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the whole world of technology. This episode is brought to you by Cloud Guru, the leader in learning for the cloud, Linux, and other modern tech skills. Right now, everyone can get in the cloud learning game with discounts on learning plans, hundreds of certification courses, thousands of labs for hands-on learning, free cloud sandboxes to develop your skills at cloudguru.com. My name is Chris. And joining me at an odd time on an odd day is our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, and happy mystery day. Yeah, it is a mystery day, isn't it? Like, why are we doing it on a different day? What are we going to talk about today? All secrets to be revealed in the show. I am in a new spot. This is my last time on the road that we'll do the show until I'm, you know, until the next road trip. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure that I'm sort of addicted to them, so I'm sure it'll happen again. But man... 40 days on the road. I am so looking forward to having my office, my desk, my studio. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so looking forward to it, dude. It's crazy. But you know what else as just a total aside and go figure is right now we're like at the best spot we've been on the entire trip in uh, Southern Oregon. There's just this, there's a casino down here that just has this amazing RV resort that is got glorious high speed internet and shade. And it's just, now I don't want to go home. Just want to stay here forever, you know. But then I saw you online, saw what you were doing, messing around with Android emulators. Like, what are you doing over there? Don't you know you're all in on the Apple ecosystem? Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually don't tell anybody, but I actually like all technology. What? And I tend to take a pragmatic view. You mean like the whole world of technology? Like a pragmatic view on the world of technology. Yeah. (laughs) So I did pop open Android Studio, and I even tested out. Maui. Okay, but be honest. What was it a bit getting there? I mean, I'm sure you got it working and you got to try Maui, right? But come on. It was a pain in the ass. Maui was a pain in the ass <laughs> because the tooling for Mac just isn't there. Yeah. And the tooling in my VM for Windows also apparently doesn't work right. The Android um, AVD, the virtual device, would not work. So yeah, it was rough. Mm, sorry. But I did see I did see a successful tweet that you did manage to get it up and going. I got it all up and running, and it, it does look impressive. It does look promising. Now, I have some, a little bit of a Microsoft, hmm, uh, what do we call this? Once bitten, twice shy kind of thing going on. Baggage? <laughs> uh, new listeners can listen back to the episode on Windows Phone 8 when I lost a ton of money on that. I think we all have a little Microsoft baggage. I think we can all relate. I mean, who doesn't, right? I'm really hoping that this is different. And having said that, I decided to do the project in something stable. So, Well, what does that mean? It means not Maui. <laughs> it means it didn't make the cut, huh? Let me give you a hint. Give me a C. And then if you were to add one to it, but if you were a programmer and you didn't want to like type, you know, C plus C or like C plus one. What, what might you do? You, you might do like a C and a plus sign and then maybe another one. <laughs> Maybe you might, if you really wanted to get into it. By the way, we haven't talked about this much on the show, but my old man level has gotten to the point where I'm like, if I can't do it in Python, I do it in C++, and I'm grumpy about it, but it's fine. Our old man level was pretty high last episode. We got we got some fired up emails, and I didn't see it coming. Oh, we, got, we got our asses kicked. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, we really did. We done been straightened out. So we brought up this topic about Apple shutting down a Slack channel about fair pay. And um, I think out of old habit, Mike and I went into like extreme stereotypical boss mode. Like, well, normally we'll just go at it from like how people that run these corporations look at stuff. And we don't even disclose that like, hey, we're about to do this thing because it's to us. It's just it is the nature of the beast and it's how they think. But I think we managed to get enough people fired up that it's worth talking about it. He says, this is an email we got him from uh, listener Joe. He says, I love the show, but your discussion about workplace organization and pay discussion, it rubbed me the wrong way. Even by the standards of the incredibly employer rights happy U.S., discussing pay and other workplace concerns is legally protected activity. There are rights that the labor movement in the U.S. fought tooth and nail and died for in the early part of the 20th century. And even if you're all on the management side, these rules have improved the lives of everyone in the U.S., 
I get your comments about outside political organizing, but that's not what the Apple stuff was about. It is about pay and working conditions and who's getting shit on and what's getting swept under the rug by leadership. This is textbook labor relations stuff. Sorry to be the annoying pro-worker advocate, but I just felt like you're all were skirting the line of literally advocating breaking employment law. Thanks for the show. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little ranty. <laughs> Labor protections in the U.S. are so weak. You got to defend what little bit we have left. Joe. This is a tricky one because I still I still stand by a lot of what we said in in the manager running a business to make a lot of money perspective. And I'm I, I'm not trying to say it was... There's a big... It's just if I can interrupt. There's a big asterisk on us versus Apple. You and I are so small that we are below the standards for most of those labor laws. Oh, yeah. No, but I think both of you are probably channeling their position when we were talking about it last week. I mean... Right. I was like, uh, no, you will not discuss wages and slack. Right. Like, because we're small enough that I can give that edict and, you know... Yay, Florida's employee at will, right? I think I, I was a little callous when I said, you know, this is a lot of people who are antisocial that don't want to have this conversation. And I, I still kind of stand by that too. But what I mean by it is discussing pay and how much you make is is super not done in the US. It's very awkward. And I think it might be different on different coasts a little bit, but on the West Coast, it is it is like territory you just don't get into. And, you know, if you do, it's with people you really trust. It's not just the West Coast. It's completely disrespectful to ask someone what they make. Like, Right. It is also, it's a question like you teach your children. You don't ask that. I think the writer is correct that the Apple case is different. But I think in my head, I still had the Google case and the Microsoft cases. You know, we do some military contracting every once in a while. It's fun. People making six figures should not be bitching that they have to like do a contract for their comp- country, right? If you don't want to do the job, quit, get no unemployment, and go fork yourself. <laughs> okay. Seriously. And if you're not a U.S. citizen and you're afraid to lose your H-1 visa, then you don't belong here. Get out. That's the one that's going to get us in trouble. But honestly, these are U.S. corporations. They actually do owe some sort of loyalty to the country. And the fact that like Sundar Pichai would stand up and be like, oh, we're going to work with our employees on this. No, you work here. That's it. You don't want to, you don't want, you have a problem. The door's over there. This is why I believe so much in tech education. So these whiny bitches can be fired easily, right? Like, so that there's not such a, a need for good, like Google proof or Microsoft proof engineers. Cause this is insane. Cause again, I always bring up the special, uh, the specter, but my personal hero, uh, the president of China, Mr. Ping is not afraid of these people. They do not have the same problems. You're an engineer at, you know, well, look what just happened to Jack Ma. I think that's the best example, right? Sure, okay. He got a little too mouthy in prison. And no, I'm not advocating for fascism. But I sometimes worry that our best technical minds don't understand how good they have it. And like, yes, we are not perfect in any way. I believe we're the best alternative to what currently exists, you know, on this planet, at least maybe, I mean, if the Vulcans showed up, listen, all right, I might be, you know, live long and prosper, right? I'm, I might turn coat, but I, I just, I don't know. Like a thing that would have made me happy is if like, you know, Sundar Pichai or um, Satya Nadella stood up and said, if you are in the divisions that work on these contracts and you refuse to work on them or you leak or protest, you're simply fired. And none of the Silicon Valley fired. None of this bullshit where you get six months pay. You're fired. Get out for a cause. No unemployment. We're going we're gonna to go after you. <laughs> oh, is this another New Jersey episode? I no, I mean, I think it's I think it's truly how how uh, it's it's a valid perspective on this. Well, also, our grandfathers went to Europe and and Asia to fight wars. I mean, this is crazy. You can't write some code because like, get over yourselves, knock it off, <laughs> you guys. I mean, I I have to admit, I have seen excessive forms of what I think people would commonly describe as entitlement uh, in the tech industry. Um, But that aside, I think it's really two issues here. You have this entitlement that is, some people just have it throughout all different industries and certain people out there think, you know, they're they're God's gift to a particular industry or something. You have that as an issue that I think is a separate issue from 
fair pay and how we talk about it. And I think it's sort of it's sort of sad that we don't have like a solution, like a, a technological solution where people could input information into into some sort of, you know, free database and it would average out pays in areas and the lady who Apple demanded her that she use her personal account and then her phone, this is what she's alleging alleging. And they have pictures of her breasts, like and go on Twitter if you don't know what I'm talking about. Like Apple is clearly wrong, right? Like this is and the pay equity stuff, like I am 100% with you on that. Like, there should be no pay discrimination on pay, um, you know, on pay for gender, race, religion, whatever. Um, but it's not one issue, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, Chris. What I probably could have said better last week and what I think about when I'm thinking about this week is I still don't really feel like, maybe it should be, maybe it shouldn't be, but I still don't really feel like Apple's Slack instance is necessarily the best place for these kinds of unstructured conversations that are extremely, extremely landmine filled that could lead to all kinds of staff issues. So I'm not really sure how I feel about that because it is maybe equivalent to what might happen in a break room. If you know, you had a group of employees in a break room, they'd be using the company's facilities to have these conversations. So I'm, I have, I've sort of loosened on it, but ultimately I feel like we need something that's a solution that is company agnostic. Uh, It is, it is, it is like a it is a it is a more generalized database so you could have a better idea of what fair pay is across multiple companies um there's a lot i think that has just been naturally suppressed because a lot of this goes the way of the employer <laughs> and the workers take what they can get cuz they want paid it's not a, it's it's not as cut and dry as i think i was thinking about it last week um yeah and the stuff about the personal device and and all of that it's it's so funny, and it totally undercuts their message with CSAM and all that kind of stuff. Dude, it's super creepy. Yeah. It, it's these kinds of stories that expose the duality of their public image. Oh, like Janice, the two-faced god. Your favorite email came in this week. Um, uh, was it from Micah, right? Was that what it was? Uh, yes, Micah. Micah, yeah. yeah. And you caught this, and then we started discussing it, and Wes caught it. Uh Mike wrote in, he says, I'm regarding the conversation about whether the ship has sailed on the Linux desktop, which we talked about last week. I hate to say this, but in a lot of ways, I think it has. Coding is a second career for me. I was a lawyer who taught myself JavaScript and then switched careers. Before I switched, I was a dedicated full-time Linux user. I did all my software development and playing around on Linux. I was really convinced there was no way I would ever use Windows unless, for some reason, maybe somebody hated themselves. They liked being trapped in a walled garden. Uh, it was Linux or bust. <laughs> but then I got my first job as a software developer in a window shop. <laughs> well, I was skeptical at first, but it turns out development in Windows is actually pretty painless. Besides VS Code, Windows Terminal, and WSL, first WSL1 and now WSL2, the Windows developer experience just isn't the horror show that some concerns on the internet would have you believe. Hell, native Windows development's pretty good too. PowerShell is pretty powerful if you take the time to learn it. And common bash commands are alias these days, so really a lot of what you already know works. He goes on to say, What really amazed me, though, was WSL. It really does virtually everything I need in Linux development and in my workflow. It's fast. It lets you get the Linux file system. lets you get access to VS Code, IntelliJ. I can seamlessly connect to all of it. It's a damn near native experience, he says. And that's the thing. The stuff I need Linux for when writing code, it's just not generally desktop stuff. That, you know, there's nothing wrong with Gnome or Plasma. They do their job. But really what I need when I'm writing software is the command line. There's just a lot of talk out there, too, about Apple's M1 being a game changer, and it does seem great from a hardware point of view. But to me, WSL2 is the real challenger to desktop Linux. That's what we should be talking about. We now live in a world where you can get virtually all the benefits of Linux and the universal application compatibility of Windows without dual booting. As a Linux user at home, well, I'm starting to find this amazing and a little scary at the same time. It's WSL, not the M1, that threatens to make Linux desktop totally unnecessary. We literally had this conversation months ago, and Micah, I honestly, like, I bought that Lenovo ThinkPad and gave it to uh, an employee who then uh, is not here anymore. And then to someone I know. But if I were to buy a... Okay, how can I phrase this? Once you install WSL2, and I'll plug Penguin because I'm from White Foundry. I like them a lot. It's a, um, it's a Debian-based flavor of WSL with a lot of like dev stuff pre-initialized. It's 
scary how the combination of WSL2, if you stay on the Linux file system, as you said correctly, Micah, and use VS Code, it's scary how efficient that is. Now, granted, you lack the sort of uh, evidence grease of being on Mac, or shall I say the good taste, but um, Snow Leopard's never coming back, and Chris, I'm still using Adium. <laughs> That's so, fair. You'd be right at home. You are a natural Windows user. <laughs> let me ask you a question. When I do command space Adium, it launches. Now, granted, it doesn't scroll by itself anymore, <laughs> mm. and I can't turn it to dark mode anymore. And sometimes when Wes puts an image in, I can't see it, but God damn it, this is good enough for the enterprise. It worked pretty well back in the day. I will give it that. You know, I think the key to this entire conversation is what does it matter? Like, it's fine. You know, if you end up on Windows, but you're using WSL, good. I mean, you're still using Linux. You're still utilizing open source and free software. I'm trying, I'm struggling to really figure out what the problem is. Um, because for me, the number one problem with Windows will always be there. It is Windows. <laughs> I do not want to use it. Yeah, but why, why is there a problem? Like if, if we're all talking about building something great, whether it be, you know, Linux server-side applications or whatever, do you really care if like, you know, I'm on Mac and you're on Linux and Wes is on Linux and like some random dude I'm making up right now called Paul no relation to any other polls anybody might think of this in a show is on Windows 11 and bitching about it. Like, who cares? In a weird kind of sad way, it almost matters more what browser you're using than it does what desktop environment you're using or desktop OS. All right, I'm going to get spicy. The Windows developers that are installing WSL2, I'm pretty sure they're coming from Mac. And they're still targeting Linux. These are, and we talked about this last week and we got some heat, these are Linux developers. They're running in Bash or Z Shell or Fish or whatever shell they prefer. But you get my point, right? Mm-hmm. They're writing software that runs on Linux. Android developers are writing software that runs on Linux. I know I'm repeating myself, but I think we need to... It's just such an important point, right? Bitching about what desktop environment an individual contributor to the community... And when I say the community, I mean the tech community runs is a waste of time. Yeah. And it seems like it's even more of a waste of time now than it ever has been. <laughs> you know, with, when you look at the size of mobile too. Well, also if we're all running VS code, seriously, if we're all running VS code, it like literally doesn't matter. Everybody's just using some Chromium code base. <laughs> right. It's either an Electron app or a browser. Or <laughs> and you can call VS code Adium or like the other 15 editors that are out there, right? Like um, one of, so we just hired a new guy at TMB and he said, oh, can I use my, you know, I like this client. And I, I mean, apparently we had covered it on the show, I don't know, called Kraken. Do you, are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know Kraken? Yep, we talked about it a while ago. We did? Mm-hmm. Good. I don't remember. I was probably loaded, but... <laughs> he showed it to me. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then I looked it up. I'm like, dude, you know you're just running an instance of Chrome, right? Yeah. And his exact words to me, yeah, but I, you know, I'm not a command line guy. Why? Because his preferred OS is Windows. Mm. Then I gave him Papa West and we'll, I'll keep updating on his corruption to Linux. Yeah, I'd be curious. Git Kraken works uh, good on uh, Linux too. So, But that's my point. It's the same experience on all three. I lost a bet to a BSD guy last week for major OSs. <laughs> BSD is real. And, and it just... All right, next feedback. Listener Nick writes in and wants to know the value you get from a QAT member. He writes... You mentioned recently that you've been hiring a QA person in your company. What value do you think a QA member will bring to your team uh, that devs can't already do? I mean, devs can test, so why not just have some of them work on QA for a while? I'm curious to get your thoughts on the QA role in your company. Thanks, Nick. Damn you, Nick. You caught me. Okay, so the QA role is just a very, 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 very junior dev role. Uh, they do QA, but we give them dev tasks. And I don't know if this is going to be a reference that makes sense, but it's basically the uh, you know biology 100 class for liberal arts majors, right? Hmm. Yeah, it's like getting them started, right? Low expectations. Well, it, it's it's people we might not have hired for straight dev role at that salary that we're willing to give a shot on this role and see how they do 
for about a month. And can I go deeper into this? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is so bad. This is so bad. <laughs> we used to treat boot camp graduates the same as we treated college. It's a super duper junior role. I don't even know what to say, right? It's like our, you seem enthusiastic. Normally, we wouldn't give you the higher job, but we'll give you a shot. I'm, the way I see it, Chris, is it's my way of giving folks a chance who maybe I wouldn't normally just throw out their resume. Right, right. It's a good way to get somebody in at entry level. And if nothing else, they can get some QA work done. And if they show the interest and the talents and uh, are motivated, they can work their way up, it sounds like. It's a clever idea, really. I think. Very sly. Cool. Lino.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 and 60-day credit on your new account, and you can go there to support this here show. You know, it's just over a year we have been independent now. So thank you, everyone who's taken advantage of our sponsor offers. Gives us an opportunity to work with a company that we can enthusiastically recommend, too. They started in 2003 as one of the first companies in cloud computing, and now 18 years later, Linode is the largest independent open cloud provider in the world. With 11 data centers around the world, they are their own ISP, too, so they're super fast. Linode's mission, though, remains unchanged since they started in 2003. Now that they're their own ISP, now that they really have re refined and honed the experience, too, it's a great time to become a Linode customer. I've been watching them really grow over the last couple of years. And over time, I've taken advantage of some, some of their ancillary services, I guess you could put it. I mean, services that are beyond just great virtual servers, like their S3-compatible object storage, and their VLAN support, and their powerful DNS manager, which makes it really easy for us to kind of quickly set up projects. You would be surprised at how quickly we can get machines going to help supplement a segment in Linux Unplugged or to test something out for the show. It's something we do pretty frequently, and I really appreciate how slick they make all of that. And as you learn how to use the system, too, you can, you can really get moving quick. But on top of that, Linode's got Kubernetes support. They got Terraform support. I mean, a lot of stuff. But they managed to just display it all with a really clean, simple-to-use interface. That's why I think you should go over there and try it. Linode.com slash coder. Get that $100 and try it out. And you'll find they're 30 to 50% cheaper than the major cloud providers out there. 66% of companies are saving money now by mixing with alternative cloud providers from the big hyperscalers to companies like Linode. And then you're going to find Linode systems really, really scream. And if you ever run into any trouble, they've got fantastic, amazing 24-7 customer support. By phone, by ticket, by email, they're going to help you. They also have a ton of how-tos, guides, and tutorials to get you started. And then sort of to round it all out, They've really taken care of people in the community. They support a lot of community, a lot of independent content creators, open source projects. They provide hosting and all kinds of technical expertise. It's pretty cool. And they made this Jupiter Colony reunion trip possible as well. So that way we could go out and see some of you out there. Linode's dedicated to offering the best virtualized cloud computing out there. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. So sign up today at linode.com coder and get $100 in 60-day credit on your new account and you support the show linode.com slash coder. Well, today, as we record, Apple just got done unveiling the iPhone 13 Pro and the Pro Max and the Mini and all the things that they have now. And, well, there's not a lot really for us to dig into. Uh, all the models are going to be available to pre-order starting the Friday that we record. That's September 17th at 5 a.m. Pacific. They're going to ship on Friday, September 24th. They have an A15 Bionic CPU with a six-core CPU and a five-core GPU, which seems to be a pretty nice bump. They've managed to keep that going. They're adding now a variable refresh rate. They call it, of course, like ProMotion. And they're offering a one terabyte storage option on the higher end. Anything about this event strike you? I refuse to answer questions that the IRS may later want you discuss <laughs> 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 with me. <laughs> Yeah, they had some iPads they announced as well, some watches. So, I mean, there's a selection of stuff. Yeah. So, okay. The the watch stuff struck me. Really? So long-time listeners will know, back in 2015, I took a pair of heart attacks. Good time, a lot of fun. I have a heart condition. New listeners, shocker. So I have been, uh, I was actually, you know this, Chris, I was a fan of traditional watches, meaning like, you know, mechanical watches, right? But once I go, that happened I, I switched to a smartwatch i went to i mean i think we have episodes on it right i tried the fossil watches remember those 
that were at Google Play. Oh, yeah. Google I.O., rather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I tried a lot of the Android watches. I tried way too many of those. They're terrible. And they're way, the battery life is way too short. I honestly, I'm going to be a day one purchaser of the new Apple Watch. Having, I mean, this is super inside baseball, but I think it's important. Having a real-time kind of tracking of my heart rate and my EKG, you know, as good as Apple can get it, or ECG as they call it, as good as Apple can get it, is important to me. Hmm, okay. So much so that I forget how but ugly this watch is. Wasn't there a big rumor that it was going to be like flat edges and all redesigned in a totally different look? And it doesn't look like... I was hoping. I was hoping it would look like, like a regular watch, right? Yeah, it didn't look like that happened at all. Uh, so that was what I was... But I'm definitely going to the 7. They have inc- better sensors, increased health, you know, software compatibility with external devices. I'm not loving the idea of having to buy more dongles for Apple stuff, but whatever. <laughs> From a dev perspective, I'm not sure that the Apple Watch gives you anything... Uh, the iPhone 13, the better refresh rate, that's fantastic if you're watching movies on your iPhone like an animal. But, I mean, games will look prettier, but your average game developer is going to have to focus on older devices anyway. But the thing that struck me and that I impulse purchased was the iPad mini. But there was only one color that was acceptable. Uh, Gold? What? What? Purple. Because on brand with the Mad Botter. Oh, they have a purple. Yep. Heck yeah. That's cool. It looks fantastic. And I have been an iPad mini supporter for years. And I frankly think Apple has been making a huge mistake by not treating the mini. They treat it like the device you give your kid. No, the mini is a viable tablet. Yeah, they hardly ever update it. They launched it in 2012 and they've done it, what, two updates or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, it's only gotten two updates. It's ridiculous, but... Jeez. And you can tell when a developer wrote an iPad app and they didn't think about the mini because like it's like it's a toolbar. It's just like encroach upon the content space. It's terrible. They're also going to include a smart folio case with it all. Um, you know, this event, from what I did see, I think the virtual events are done with me. I I, I find these now to be kind of um, boring. I I It's a perfect sanitized, packaged up version of Apple's reality delivered to you in a live stream. Well, Steve Jobs is dead. I like when it's live because there's there's mistakes, there's ums and ah moments, there's there's just, there's a reality to it. Like the device has to actually be able to do the things they say it can do. But in these videos, it could all be CG. It just doesn't matter. Well, there's more drama to the live performance. It's it's an actual stage performance. This is like, Santa, this is, I mean, this is corporate PR. I mean, they're all corporate PR, but this is like, if I was a PR executive, I would think this is how all events should go. <laughs> right? It's like two hours of mainline corporate PR that is just, and they, they do a fantastic job with the cinematography and the effects, and they put it all together and the flow, and the and the, they give a lot of thought to it. And I'm not trying to take away from that, but I'm just saying as it lands on me, yeah, like I didn't even catch this one live. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll see you later. I got other stuff to do. I'm moving my RV. I think for me, uh, I'm more interested in the software side of the Apple platform this year. iOS 15, iPadOS 15, I think, are actually pretty significant, especially on the iPad side. And um, these devices don't really, they like, they, there wasn't something that was significantly introduced that I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that's going to be great. It's like, okay, well, mostly everything I want is going to be software side this year. New cameras are always, are always nice to see, I suppose. And ProMotion is nice to see. And my mini... You know, I got the iPhone mini this time around. Ooh, really? I've really been regretting it for, for about three three or four months. Maybe about halfway through, really. For six months now, I've probably wanted to get rid of this iPhone mini. It's got the battery life of an Android phone. So it's completely disappointing. Completely unacceptable in every way. The camera, I miss having the zoom. It gets hot as hell all the time. My my battery health is like down to 85, 86% already. Um, I assume because I'm having to constantly charge it. So it's just, it's heating up all the time and wearing down. Hang on, Chris. We need to pause. Uh, Drew, um, I'm vomiting right now because he mentioned Android twice. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I've been doing Android student development. And (laughs) oh, 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 there he goes. There he goes. Sorry. All right. Sorry. All right. Let's keep going. So I think I'll get a big one this time. I think I'm going to go the other way around. I'm going to get a real big one. You're going all the way up. Wait, wait, wait. Are you getting the regular one or are you going Pro Max, man? I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to swing so hard the other direction that my head's going to spin because I got the upgrade program. I understand if you ever get mugged, 
you could just kill the dude with that. It's a weapon. I got to say, as stupid as it is, the ProRes video actually is appealing to me. Really? I know. I, I actually do a lot of video on my phone for family stuff. I do family videos and stuff. So is it really that much better? Well, anytime I can work with uncompressed source, or I guess ProRes is kind of like what FLAC is for audio. It's, uh, it's compression, but it's lossless compression, as lossless as it can be. But when you're working for, with iPhone footage that's an MP4 or something like that, it's already really squished down. And anything you do with it is going to double encode it. But with ProRes, you can bring it in and work with it and not encode it all the way down until the very end. And so you maintain quality. And that's going to matter more as these cameras get better and better and better. You're going to want to be able to maintain that quality. So I, I, I mean, it's going to take up a lot of space, but I'm going to use it immediately. I use ProRes even on our Linux OBS system in in the studio when we're recording video i record to prores on linux because it's just a fantastic codec and i don't know i actually haven't done the digging to know if it's actually true legitimate prores or if it's some rebrand of some other codec that apple uh, they could be doing that too but that kind of stuff those technical details actually do appeal to me um and i think that's where the pro max continues to kind of be an appealing phone for people who are technical and into the iPhone. There are actually some of us out there who are geeks and like iPhones. What are you talking about? There's a lot of people out there like that. <laughs> I know, I know. Just sometimes it feels like people don't think so. I just want to say Mac was the Linux of Linux, bef- you know. Wow. Before Linux, yeah. Wow. You know, all, all in all, I think these things are getting pretty boring as far as like, um, you know, these are not must-have devices anymore. There's, they, ha- they didn't introduce any new technology or like re- revolutionize some AR app. Um, none of that's really happening anymore. And good, good on them. You know what? We don't really need everyone buying new phones every year. And I don't, I don't necessarily think Apple needs your money either. So I think it's great for people who are on like the iPhone 10 right now. This is a no-brainer update. Uh, but for those of us that are on the iPhone 12, unless there's unless you're like part of the upgrade program or there's some other reason you'd want to upgrade or like maybe you're super disappointed with your phone, I, I think this is kind of a skip year for most people. I mean, spoiler, it is for me, except for the iPad mini, which I bought because it was purple. <laughs> there's probably one other Apple topic we could we could discuss before we move off of Apple completely. Yeah, I think we should talk about it. so the Epic lawsuit. Every journalist, every scummy tech journalist was like, Epic kicked Apple's ass. A- Apple won, right? Apple straight up won. Uh, there's a couple things, though, that I want to talk to you about in here when you look through this. Um, so you know how Apple already had this reader category of apps in the App Store where they could kind of um, get out of the, the cut, like Netflix is in there and stuff? Yep. This judge has kind of defined a new category for Apple in the App Store where different rules can apply. That's what's essentially happening here is, what, what Judge Gonzalez Rogers did is essentially say gaming is and can be treated differently than all other app categories in the App Store. Apple can have different rules about in-app purchases and all of that stuff for games than anything else. And games are a huge part of Apple's App Store revenue. According to the ruling, the judge said 70% of Apple's App Store revenue comes from gaming. And in there, they're like, yeah, this whole category is can have totally different rules. And so now Apple has the reader category and the gaming category where they can have different rules that don't have to be the uniform same like they used to be. I think that's going to be huge for them. Apple just sort of won in a weird way. Yeah, because the judge also said not a monopoly. Near a monopoly, but not a monopoly. They have a 55% share of the mobile game transaction market, which is that new category that was defined. Um, and extraordinarily, quote, extraordinarily high profit margins, which can be a sign of monopoly power, but despite considerable profit and power, quote, this is a quote here, these factors alone do not show antitrust conduct. Success is not illegal. Well then. Yeah. That's probably pretty good for Apple too, right? I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be the icing on the cake here for them. And then they can point to all these changes to say, well, look, we're trying not to be a monopoly. Well, so I, I really thought about it, right? Like you can have, let's just take the most generous view of this. You can have a like a little button that says buy with your credit card and like Stripe put something in your app, which I don't think Apple is even going to allow. I think it's going to have to open Safari. But let's even assume that you can do that. As a consumer, I would always use IAP. I would always use Apple's IAP. It's safer, and if something is terrible, you can get a refund, right? Yep, and for memberships and subscriptions, I 
it, having all of my memberships and subscriptions in one spot, yeah, that's invaluable, actually. Yeah. I may even be willing to pay slightly more per month to have an easy cancellation, you know? And I'm way more likely to subscribe if I know I can cancel easily. Just, you know, I think that's human nature. And that's what Apple system offers. And if they could keep that somehow, but honestly, man, you could deliver that with some sort of API if they really could be bothered. You know, it's not their style, but if they could be. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. That's going to be one of the features of using Apple system for the customer is that easy cancellations, right? No, you have to call and talk to some rep, you know. Well, I'd say easy cancellations, easy purchase. You already have you already have current payment info because it's how you pay for everything in the Apple ecosystem, including your iCloud storage and crap like that. But additionally, it plugs in, currently, it plugs in with their family controls. So my kids have to seek authorization. I get a prompt on my phone. I use Face ID to authorize the purchase on my phone for their phone. And then everyone in the family has access to that app too. That, you know, all could be done with an API as well, but is unlikely. But Apple has to figure it out because as part of this, the judge is going to have an injunction soon that prevents Apple from banning those external links or buttons or other calls of action. Um, it, it's not really clear on on what they're going to be able to limit, but previously, it, you know, it, this has been to the extent of if you have a privacy policy and you tap that and it brings you to a you know in-app Safari page so you can read the privacy policy off off your website. If anything in there links out of that, like a, a, like a like a policy statement or your logo, Apple would deny your app's entrance into the App Store simply for linking outside the app for the privacy policy during a payment information. Like it's, they've been extremely strict on this kind of stuff. So they're gonna have to find some middle ground. Worst story here. I have personally had the CodeJournal iOS app. This is way way back a decade now. Linked to my website at the time, my personal website. And on there, I had a thing where you could pay me a couple hundred dollars for a, I, I can't remember what I called it. It was like a, basically like, should you build an app consulting session, right? And I had like a little ghetto Stripe API thing done in Ruby. That was enough for them to reject that version of the app. Mm-hmm. It was a three-click process to get there, though. <laughs> yeah, and they did it. They did it. They rejected it because you know they're told to protect the revenue stream. The revenue, yeah. and if they if they let one through the cracks, then it sets a precedence. So they would do it. But ultimately, I I, I mean, ultimately, this face facts the on mobile, the revenue for developers in the iOS store is if you can only pick one platform, that's that's going to be it, right? But that's the interesting thing here because the only other option really in the mobile space is the Play platform and on Google and. They so clearly, in my opinion, are helping each other right now by making these slight adjustments kind of in conjunction with each other, not necessarily at the same time, but around the same time and normalizing and standardizing the marketplace in the way they have. They are helping each other. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they are so dependent on each other to get through this right now. It's gross. And I, I think we get caught up in the Apple versus Google war, but the reality is these two companies need each other desperately to get through this antitrust stuff. And it's gross and it's it's completely leaving developers in the lurch. And the the regulators will look at it and go, oh well, it's fine. There's two of them. There's a Coke and a Pepsi and they're keeping each other competitive. But the reality is is they're they're making concessions where they have to and they're each they're each looking at each other and working closely together, maybe not directly, but very closely in step. Right, but let's not forget the email that was revealed where you know they were talking to each other and saying, let's work as one company on these issues. Yeah, yeah, and that was a bit ago, but I would imagine that still stands, right? It's life or death stuff here. It's their survival. All these lawsuits are about a bit ago, right? So who do you think benefits then from, I mean, we knew, we knew you and I said it from the day one, we knew this was going to go Apple's way. We called it immediately. Uh, no one benefits, not even well, Apple, obviously, but besides Apple. You know who benefits? Some crafty big game developer who who somehow has people's credit card information on file that could charge them slightly less, but take advantage of, you know, a 3.5 or 5% credit card fee and avoid Apple's 30% cut. The little guy doesn't get anything from this. I don't have quite the bad look on it that you do, but because I think, I think we're at this stage, we're forgetting the very clever political public battle. So Epic fought not only in the court, but they also fought in the court of public opinion. And they played that game better than Apple did. And I think they took Apple down more than a couple of pegs in the eyes of the development community. They they led with that 
campaign right away. I mean, they came in and they beat Apple at their own messaging game for months during this thing. And they got those emails out and that testimony out. I think that is going to be the long-term damage that this case did. And that's not insignificant. What is the difference between September and July? If you're an indie developer with limited resources and you can only target, or I'm sorry, if you're an indie game developer, I'll even make it more specific, with limited financial resources, you want to target one platform. Nothing. Nothing. If you want to make money, if you want to feed your family, the answer is still iOS. So Epic has accomplished nothing. And by the way, Epic are not the, you know, they're not Joan of Arc here. They're not, you know, some some white as snow virgin warrior coming in. <laughs> right. They wanted to open the Epic Game Store on iOS. And by the way, you should see the, I mean, and this is something the judge mentioned in her 185 page ruling that they pull the same bullshit on their developers on the Epic Game Store. Yeah, and she's like, also, I'm looking at this. This is not really going to impact your bottom line. You've clearly just optimized your business everywhere else, and this is the last part you're making great margins. You're not making great margins on, and so you're just trying to optimize this. This isn't going to make or break you guys. Like, she called them out on that, too. <laughs> like, I don't know. For me, part of the show is, you know, the plight of the needed developer. And somebody wrote in and said, hey, I'm, you know, we're a team of three people. We're building a game. We're releasing it on iOS. Well, how should we do our payments? I would say do in-app purchase and use every new Apple API you can. And if you can, do it in Swift, right? Like release right after a new version of iOS. Because ultimately, money talks and this bullshit just walks, right? Like Epic is full of Ride the back of the turtle as long as you can, really. But Epic wanted to be a new turtle, right? They wanted to be... I, uh, they wanted to be their own platform on somebody else's platform. and uh, I hate them all. I, I, I miss the dream of the open web from the 90s, right? There is that. There is that. And Optimus Gray is really, he's nailed in the chat room. The people who benefit the most from this are the lawyers. Yeah, well, the lawyers get 30% of the fund to help indie developers. I thought that was cute. Datadog.com slash Coda Radio. This episode of Coda Radio is sponsored by the folks at Datadog. And you know what they are? They are the monitoring security platform for developers, for those of you who are monitoring security, for operations team, for really anyone working in the cloud age. What you can do with Datadog is unify your metrics, your traces, and your logs all in one place. And that means you can troubleshoot issues faster. You can break down silos between teams and communicate. And the visuals are striking. And you can create real-time dashboards with over 450 integrations in minutes. And you can easily pivot from like a high-level overview of your entire environment to zoom down into a granular visualization of the metrics and the events and what's going on with your application. Datadog offers infrastructure monitoring. They offer security monitoring. They offer real-time user monitoring, application monitoring, and more all in one place with dashboards for days. They absolutely look great. You got to try it out. You got to get started by going to datadog.com slash radio. You can start a free trial today. See why thousands of companies and tons of audience members of Coda Radio trust Datadog as their monitoring solution. And <laughs> if you start a trial and create one dashboard, Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. How about that? So go to datadog.com slash Coda Radio. Go check out the truly unified monitoring security platform for everyone out there in the cloud age. Unify it all with Datadog at datadog.com slash Coda Radio. There is other things going on in the world. JDK 17 was released, and uh, we threw a little party for it here. And, uh, you know, everybody had champagne, had some cake. It was grand. Did you know? Did you notice that uh, JDK 17 was out? Did you have a party? Oh, yes. I, ha- I had a, a Java. I, I, I'm, oh, God, you've added me. Chris, <laughs> listeners, yeah. I, my uh-huh. name is Mike, and I have a confession. Oh, no. I no longer use a French press. Oh, 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 are you using a K-cup? Did you go K-cup? Actually, so this is complicated. Keurig makes a coffee pot, like a regular uh, drip pot, yeah, with a K-cup system. So is it still a K-cup, but they're just dripping it? No, no, no. One side is the K-cup system. Oh. And one side is like a regular, like Mr. Coffee system. You got to be kidding me. No, I'm dead serious. I'm looking this up right now. It exists. Yeah, I mean, so uh, you got you got yourself one of these, I see. Yeah. Man, I just don't know the Keurigs, though. So can you put, like, ground up, your own ground up uh, coffee beans in the uh, drip side? 
so straight up on the regular side, it is a literal regular coffee machine. You put a filter in, you put coffee grounds. I need a link to this thing. Chat room, go find me a link to this. Would you, somebody in the chat room, find me a link to this? I got to see this. Keurig with drip? No. Yeah. No, it just can't be. What? Wow. I'm, I'm on their website now. I'm like, I'm browsing Keurig's website and you're right. They've gotten into drip coffee. Is it the K-Duo single serve? Is that what you got? K-Duo coffee maker. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I have. The K-Duo, huh? <laughs> and I never, ever use the K-Cup side. <laughs> then why'd you get the Duo? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, you know, I was a recent divorcee. We all done crazy. I did a little crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You got, you get a new, you get a weird coffee maker. I understand. I did the same thing. Cause like I was too tired for the French presses and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? I'll put a link in the show notes. I don't know why. But you know, JDK 17 is great. It's, uh, yeah, it's Java. It'll be fine. Keep going. It's Java. It's going to be fine. Right. It's, you know what? That could be our tagline for every time we talk about Java. It's Java. It's, it's going to be fine. The one actual interesting point about this release, sorry guys, is it is an LTS release. And the last LTS was JDK 11, believe it or not. So all the new goodness that you've had, um, I think Lambdas. I don't remember when Lambdas came in. I the, the only Java project I've done in the last few years has been JDK 8, and it's like living in hell. But great, 17. Before we run out of here, I, I usually when we're on, every now and then, if there's a good like uh, punch Facebook in the in the face story as we go, I like to do it. Right in the dick. Let's do it. Wall Street Journal has a story today that internal documents that have leaked from Facebook's own research shows that Instagram is harmful to a sizable percentage of its users especially teen girls, but has taken a few steps to remedy it. In-depth internal research shows significant teen mental health issues. Oh, oh, man. Okay, but like, duh. They're evil. They continue to do evil things. Honestly, this is where China has an advantage. Maybe they just shouldn't exist, right? Like... Yeah, the the, uh, the problem right now, it's like the other things online push kids towards social media. Because I see my kids like, can I get a TikTok, Dad? I'm like, what? Um, can I upload to YouTube? Like they get on YouTube and they see this stuff. YouTube is like the platform that like they get all their information from. And then they learn about other social media platforms from YouTube. It all starts with YouTube. Why not a federal law requiring kids not to have Facebook until they're you know, 18 or 21. Hell, they can't have a beer, but they can have Facebook that makes them kill themselves. That seems cray cray. Huh. I mean, have we ever talked about limiting technology like that? I mean, I'm trying to think of something that's considered modern technology. I mean, obviously we... We already limit technology like that. The automobile. Automobiles and guns and I mean that kind of... But I'm trying to think of like modern computing technology and software. I don't... Pornography is technically not legal for kids to view. So we already do this. That is true. That is true. And I you, I, you could probably even find an argument that social media is more harmful than a lot of porn. Although maybe not. I don't know. I have a five-year-old son. I would rather give him a martini right now than let him have a Facebook account. I think I could totally see what you're saying. It's like, yeah, it's less dangerous. <laughs> it's less harmful. I mean, this is not that I would give my kid liquor. Don't people don't like call DIFIS or whatever or child protective services. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I follow what you mean. Yeah. I feel like this is something everybody <laughs> knew but didn't talk about, but they did the math and it's like, okay, yeah, young girls, teenage girls are killing themselves. And by the way, when we say teenage, these are still children we're talking about. And, and they knew, right? They did their own research and they found out. They knew the whole time. So maybe like we just borrow a couple Chinese cabinet members. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Borrow everything else from there. You know, I, I don't know if it, it might not be a Jersey week. It might be a Beijing week. I tell you what. <laughs> I enjoyed some great egg rolls this week. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, you know what? I, I, You know, one of the number one things I'm missing from the studio is the air fryer. I got myself an, a, a used air fryer for lunches. And man, make some great egg rolls in that thing. Dude, the air fryer is one of the things you feel you don't need. But once you have one, lunch, lunch is like a two minute ordeal. You know what? I don't even need a deep fryer anymore. I got a deep fryer and I'm not even going to use it anymore. You have a deep fryer? Yeah. Oh yeah. What kind of oil do you use? Peanut oil whenever I can. 
Yeah, I just got a wild hair one time. I was like, I want to get a nice deep fryer. And I got one. And then it made the entire place stink so bad that I don't really want to use it. So then I, I was like, I'm going to get an air fryer. But because I just bought a deep fryer, I can't go buy a new air fryer. So I have to get a used air fryer. <laughs> so I got myself a used Phillips air fryer. And if the damn thing isn't the best thing I ever did for my lunches, I don't know what is. Like, Because I, I will always cut my lunches first. Like that's the first thing that goes in my day is lunch. And then I end up not eating enough and I go on air and I have an energy crash. So being able to throw something in that air fryer and have it kind of crunchy and crispy without all the oil and the stink. I'm getting hungry. I miss lunch. It's just, I know I did too. Actually, that's why I'm talking about food. <laughs> I cut lunch today because I had to get to this spot so we could record. So I just drove through lunch. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, let's wrap it up so you and I can go find something to eat. Thank you to everybody who has become a, a Coder QA member. It supports the show. And if you haven't become one yet, please consider go to coderqa.co. You get access to our Coderly reports. You get a limited ad feed and you get a new Coderly every quarter as uh, that happens at coderqa.co. Mr. Dominic, would you like to send people to your Twitter? Uh, follow me at Dumanuko. And also, if you need any type of automation work done. Talk to me in a month. Boom. I like that. I'm at Chris LES. The show is at Coder Radio Show. Links to what we talked about today, that's at coder.show slash 431. You'll find our contact page there. Emails and feedback are a big part of this show, so please consider sending us your thoughts. It makes a big difference. And our subscribe links and all that kind of stuff you might need, all of that's over coder.show. It's a website, and we've got links for you. You can join us live. We typically... Almost always do the show on Mondays at uh, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. But we we try to put it all up at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar because you never know. Sometimes we got to move it like this week, but not often. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the Coda Radio program. We appreciate it. and We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>